Bless you guys this morning. Um, we are fully in getting ready for baby mode, like fully. Angie's been on bed rest a little bit this week, and so that's not been as fun, but we've been having to do a couple of things. But how many of you know when, when you're preparing for uh, a baby to come, Anna and Aaron and Tim and Shelly will be able to attest to this most recently, how intense that preparation period is. It's, it's not just like, an, especially for your first one. I mean, by the second one, but the third one, like, I'm cool. Like, I, I don't care too much as long as, as long as she's alive when she comes out. But, like, I just remember that the preparation is so intense, and we're still, I still haven't gotten enough name suggestions. Like, I'm, we're needing help. Um, we're needing a lot of help. And so uh, I, I love when people come up and say, my name is a great name. And so if you have a great name, can you just submit it? Because I'm um, preferably girl names. That would be ideal. But we're just in preparation stage. And I mean, as, as, as well-meaning as midwives are, too, like Angie, Angie's, it's, it's, it's just so many things to do and so many things to prep for. But this morning, as we go back into the Christmas story, we finished in Luke 1, and we looked at this idea of expectation the last time I spoke. The difference between Elizabeth and Zechariah and just their response and how they were expecting what God was going to do. And this morning, I want to look at a couple more things as we continue to go through the story. But I just, I just picture, and I think it's too easy to get removed from the story. Me and Angie were talking about it. We all know the Christmas story so well. It's like I mean, we could almost probably recite it word for word, you know, just even some of the phrases and like the Christmas songs, and they just help you remember. It's a very familiar story, but I hope we can take some new things from it this morning. But I just was putting myself in the shoes, because I am in the shoes of about to have a baby at Christmas time. So if we could all pray that the baby does not come on Christmas Day, just for her sake. Although I was talking to Angie about it, and because I go kind of, I go big for birthdays and celebrating my kids and things like that. And so I was thinking, if, if she is born on Christmas Day, like, the first part of the day will be a full Christmas, and the second part of the day will be a full birthday. Like, we will go all out for her. So it's, she's got good parents if she does come on Christmas. I just remember, and I'm still bitter about it. My mom's in the room, but I don't think she did it too many times, but some people did. My brother and my birthday, are, we're a day apart, um, three years different, and so our birthdays got merged often. <laughs> And like, you know, I just, I have this complex of not being special anymore. I just, I know, I know how twins feel, you know, like you got to share everything. What is this sharing business? What are we, Christians? But I was just picturing, I I was just experiencing what it was like with Angie currently and just the lead up and how much preparation there is to going into the birth. And then Caesar wants a census. Luke chapter two, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. There was no place for them in the inn. As parents, how vividly do you remember when your kids were born? I mean, maybe Angie was on a lot of drugs, the, the first baby. Not, not like heroin drugs, but like baby drugs, uh, appropriate drugs. And 
But I just remember them so vividly. And I've shared some of the stories with you, so I won't go in, in depth into it. But there's just, the, it was so, such, there's just this moment in time where I remember everything about those things. I remember I watched the Snorlax as a movie as I was waiting for Angie to, to, to give birth, and it wasn't happening. So I, I went and found a good movie. And then I remember even after, after the baby was born, I just remember like, um, I, I got stuck, and I'm sure I've shared it before, under a broken air conditioning vent, and I was freezing. And like, but I stayed there the night, and I didn't get any sleep, and I was just, I just, I remember it so vividly. And the pictures show I didn't get any sleep. Angie looked great. Uh, but I just remember it so clearly. And then when Bennett was born, I, the thing, it's so funny, just we were in Hutt Hospital, and Angie and me were like joking, walking up and down like the maternity hall as we're trying to get this baby to come out. And it was just so, such a different experience. And then she was like, get me the epidural now. By the time the epidural people got in, the baby had already come. And so it was just like, I just remember these things so clearly, so vividly when the baby is born. But there was something about these moments when each of my kids were born that were not only memorable to me, but they actually redefined me. It's quite a unique experience. Because no longer was I just Jesse, just Jesse a son, just Jesse a husband, but I was Jesse a father. Literally that moment was a redefining moment for me and for my identity, that I now had become Jesse a father. I remember, I remember honest, it was a big deal for me, and I don't know why, but the first time I was able to say, my boy. Like, it was just this defining moment. And then I remember when, when Bennett was born, it was, it was another redefining moment where I said, it's, it's my boys, my boys. I don't know why, but it just, it, it stuck with me so, so strongly. And as we're looking to the next baby within the next couple of weeks, it, I can't say my boys anymore. I won't be able to say, it's, it's, the, it's the lads, it's, it's, I don't know what I'd say. What do we say when we have multiple kids, children? Amoebas, offspring. There we go. I like all of them. I will not just be a dad of boys anymore, but, but now of a little girl. But here, here's, here's where I want to go in the, this morning with this story. Is when, when someone very special arrives in your life, especially the nature of a kid or, or when you get married is another uh, thing where this could happen. When they arrive, there is a redefining moment. This is the smallest true representation of what it means for Jesus' arrival in our lives. There's a redefining moment. And I just want to lean into Scripture a little bit to hopefully see what some of these things look like even immediately at the start of when Jesus arrived. I just go back to looking at what Mary and Joseph had to deal with. I just couldn't, we're talking about the preparation. I couldn't imagine preparing everything that I needed for the baby. And then all of a sudden we're like, actually, you need to go back to the States because um, Trump wants to count you. And I wouldn't put anything past what Trump would want to do, you know. I, I have dual citizenship, so I would, I would absolve myself of, of United States citizenship at that, play, at that point, I think. But can you imagine, like, right now, as Angie's this pregnant, I don't even think they would allow her on the plane. I, I don't think. There's, there's a certain period of time where they're like, you're going to stay on land because the baby could come at any point. But can you imagine, like, they, they get the call, like, honey, we're going to Bethlehem. You know, like, that's not a good time for, for a pre- very pregnant wife. And then once they get there, there's no room for them. I was picturing, you know, if we had to travel somewhere, and I'm like, hey, sweetie, like, I, I didn't call ahead, and uh, there's, 
we're going to stay in a barn. You know, you're going to give birth in a barn. We're so familiar with the story that we're like, no, we just can't connect to it. But I was thinking about how mad Angie would be if that was the case. The thing that I was thinking about is, is the stable was the very last option. This, this was not the ideal place for Jesus to, give, to, to come into the world. This was the last place. This was not even in their hometown. This was not even in a hotel or a hospital or whatever they had. This was in a barn because there was no room anywhere else. And I think that's really significant. Jesus enters the world. Jesus arrives in the last place that one would choose someone to arrive, especially a baby. This was their last option in a stable with the animals. And I can imagine that they were exhausted from their trip. Probably sweating like me. I've been up for a while. These lights, it's sweating time. It's when the anointing comes. Can you imagine how dirty they would have been after their long travel? And and I'm sure their cleanliness amped itself up when they're in the barn. How would it have smelled in that barn? And then it's time for Mary to deliver. And here's here's one one of the core things I want to share this morning. The stable was just a stable before Jesus arrived. The stable was just a stable before Jesus arrived. I think the stable can end up defining a lot of us. We allow the circumstances that we find ourselves into define who we are. Think about it. The stable is a very dirty place. The stable was the last option. The stable was the last place you wanted to to be. This was not a sign of status. This was, was, you're you're giving birth in a barn. It's a dirty place. It's where the animals are. But when Jesus arrives, when he enters, that stable transforms into something different. And yet nothing has changed about the stable in itself. That stable is now something so different, so different. When Jesus arrives, we, when he enters a situation or a person's life, everything changes. We now become defined by him. We become redefined by him. Lean into this. The last place they wanted to be now becomes a holy place. The last place that they wanted to be, the last place that they could have chosen now becomes a holy place. What could have been a place of sadness turns into a place of hope. The places that are dirty, dusty, old, tired can become the place of new beginning and new life when Jesus enters in. When you add Jesus, when Jesus arrives, it changes to a holy place to a place filled with purpose and meaning, to a place of hope, a signal of hope for millions. I was just thinking about, think about the stable. We're so familiar with the stable. We, when I think of the stable, I have like these warm feelings, like Jesus was born in a stable. Like, that's just beautiful. Like, the shepherds are singing and the angels are singing. And like, Jesus was born into one of the dirtiest places he could possibly find. There's like all sorts of things happening there. But that stable didn't change. The state of the dirtiness didn't change. But that stable was now redefined by what happened, by the arrival of Jesus. 
This is so important. A redefining moment when Jesus arrives. The stable has now become a signal of hope for millions. When we think of the stable in the manger today, we see hope, we see life, we see victory. Jesus changes the environment around him to a completely new thing. I just want to pause for a moment and just reflect on your own life right now. It's too easy, I think, to let these stories that we hear again and again be really nice and be about Jesus and we get filled with warm feelings because Jesus is born. But I think it's so important if we miss the heart of what Jesus is and what he comes to do. He comes to redefine us completely. He comes in your dirtiest, smelliest areas. He comes in the most forlorn. He comes when all of your plans have gone awry and you've been shifted to another place and you're in the last place wherever you find yourself today. If it's as a church, if it's in your family life, it might not be the first option that you'd wanted to go down. It might be the last place that you wanted to be in. But I am so encouraged by the story that even when Jesus is born, the stable is completely redefined. And I want to submit to you today that as you allow Jesus to work in and through your life and do what only he can do, your lives will be completely redefined. This is nothing that we can do. This is nothing that we earn. This is nothing that we can strive to become. Except for the fact that when Jesus truly arrives in your life, everything has changed. This forces us to have a new perspective on our lives. This forces us to recognize, I still see a lot of the animals and like a lot of the things maybe in my own life. But I know that my life is completely redefined and the picture of what it will be for those around me. So those areas in your life that you think are the last place, I want to submit to you this morning in this Christmas season that when Jesus arrives and you allow him to do what only he can do, those things will become a beacon of hope for those around you. What he does when he comes into your life, it's when we do not allow the process for Jesus to redefine that where it will stay. But I want to tell you that he redefined a stable to be a place of hope. Are you allowing him to take those things that we often don't even want to look at because that's the thing he chose to come to a place to just show the very power of his arrival completely changes and redefines that. Jesus redefines everything when he arrives. Carrying on in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. And the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, as it had been told them. 
And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Who's the first person that you tell when something significant happens? Like, probably for me, Angie is one of those people. Like, there's a very few select people that are allowed in the delivery room, like when a woman is giving birth. You know, like, I mean, maybe, maybe you have a lot more, but I, for, for us, it's a very select group of people. And even then, that group of people betrayed Angie's trust at one of the births, and I'll, I'll ne- leave them nameless, took pictures and that wasn't the best time to take pictures. And Angie made sure she deleted those pictures after said experience. There's a very few people that you, would, you, you invite into that kind of a space. This is very interesting that it's a group of shepherds that are the first to be notified that the Savior of the world has been born. This is a huge honor of receiving the news, the news first that Jesus was born. Do you know, I was, I was just looking up, you know, the shepherds, and, and I was just doing a little bit of research around that. And the shepherds, it was just interesting to see when the idea of being a shepherd had actually become disdainful within the context. It actually happened in Egypt. So the Egyptians really looked down on, on shepherding because the, the, before that time, people of God were shepherds predominantly. They, they had large flocks. It was in the time of Egypt when the Egyptians disdained that and they lived so long in their culture that they had adopted this idea that shepherds were disdainful. And you can see if we fast forward to the time of David, you know, he was, he was the keeper of the sheep and it was seen as like this lowly thing. Do you remember David's brother was like, get back to your little sheep. You know, it's just the, sh- the shepherding thing was not seen as, um, as something, it was, it was very low in social status. It's even from David's time. But just as the stable was just a stable before the arrival of Jesus, those shepherds would have been just shepherds holding one of the lowest social standings in their culture at the time. They were just shepherds. However, when Jesus arrives, everything changes. Jesus redefines who we are in him. And I don't believe he randomly chose the shepherds because it was convenient. The shepherds went from being shepherds to prophetic messengers whose profession was to show the heart of God. I just want to read out Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is the heart of God for his people. This is the heart of God for his people. As the Savior was born, the people he first introduced himself to were shepherds, so reflecting his heart as a shepherd for us. I've just thought another interesting thing that I came across is that in the religious leaders of the day during the time when Jesus was born even struggled to connect this psalm to being a legitimate psalm. 
They couldn't understand why the Lord would be compared to a shepherd. It was seen as so lowly. Regardless of your station, regardless of your circumstances, regardless if you're in the valley of the shadow of death, regardless if you're born in a stable with animals or if you're just a lowly shepherd, when God says he is with us, he is with us and he completely redefines who we are and what we carry. His arrival changes everything. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. You are redefined in him. These shepherds had the privilege of seeing Jesus first and then sharing the message as physical representatives, prophetically declaring the true shepherd has arrived. The thought that I had around this was not just for the the message for the shepherds, but this is a message for you and I. I think so often the one thing that I see us doing is diminishing our status because of what we we potentially see in ourselves. We're not this or we're not that or this is who we are. We we define ourselves so much. Can I just encourage you that when Jesus, when when he arrives in your situation, no matter what what status, what job you're in, whatever vocation, whatever family history, the, the word on my heart this morning is to allow him to redefine you for who you really are. I look at these shepherds. I mean, they're just normal people hanging out. They're, they're so low in their culture. But when Jesus comes, he's highlighting, I am the good shepherd. These are the people that I find it to myself to introduce first. How are you able to see yourself through the lens of who Jesus sees when you come? Because you change when he arrives. I think too often we rest in our own strength and your own strength just isn't enough. Who are you in him? Who are you? What, what does he redefine you into? That's the, that's the heart this morning. We've looked at the stable. There might be a mess that you're in. There might be a dirty place that you're, you're hanging out in and it smells, whatever. Maybe God has come to redeem that. But then I want to go a step further. Who has God redefined you to be? I love this prophetic picture that as the, the shepherds get to be the messenger carriers through Bethlehem. They see what happened. They go and carry the message of Jesus to everyone else. They are a living representation as shepherds of the shepherd's heart. This this blew my mind. It means just average everyday you can somehow very prophetically declare who Jesus is. It doesn't matter where you are. It doesn't matter what station you carry. It doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter... I get such a passion for Archer's Four, and I just think, I don't, I don't know who's the oldest, but we have some beautiful saints in here. The value of what you can carry, you're not just someone at that age. You're not just four years old. You're not just, you're not just Elijah who's good at soccer. You're not just Jared who's the man all around. You're not just Bruce who loves on people. You're not just those things. Because when Jesus arrives, he completely redefines who you are. So when you say, I am just this, you're actually limiting who God is and who, what he can do through you. We're not just people that live in Upper Hut. We are living representatives pointing to the King of Kings. Because when he arrives, he changes everything. His arrival in and through your life absolutely redefines who you are. I am not just Jesse. I am a message bearer of the gospel and the power of Jesus. We need to be able to understand that it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter how 
how apathetic you may have become in your faith. Jesus is not barred by any of those things, but he redefines simply by his presence, simply by his arrival, the stable transformed into a beacon of hope. You need to understand that what you carry is the same as what happened with the stable and the same as what happened with the shepherds. That you become bearer, image carriers of the king of kings prophetically. I just, there's such a beautiful picture in here that the shepherds actually embody the heart of God. And our role is to embody the heart of God so that we can reflect that to the people around us. There's such, it's so powerful how God can use the least of us to do something so powerful. The last point is this, good news of great joy for all people. This is not just for Mary and Joseph and the shepherds to redefine by the arrival of Jesus, but rather this is good news of great joy for all people. A Savior has been born who literally redefines who we are. This is not just for the stable to become an outpost of hope. This is not just for the shepherds to become prophetic messengers. But everything changes for you and me. We have good news of great joy that has not diminished an iota from over 2,000 years ago on that night in Bethlehem. I just, the one thing, and I'm going to close, we'll close a little bit early today. Let's not go through the Christmas season just thinking it's another Christmas. Let's not just be a church that just gets through our routines and then we're done and now it's like the new year and we're going to be really responsible this year and like it's just going to, our finances are going to be in order and it's like working for us. Can we be a people that catch a heart that the gospel is good news of great joy for all people? There is a stirring in our hearts here to see all people engaged with the love and the power of Jesus. The story of Christmas is not nice for us that we can remember that Jesus came. The story of Christmas reminds us how he redefines us so that we can go and be prophetic messengers to usher in his kingdom. Good news of great joy for all people. Do you have a favorite gift that you're going to get this year? Like, I love Christmas to buy my kids gifts. I just, I spent too much money that I don't have for them, but I love it. Gift Gift giving is so much better than any gift receiving. That, that Game Boy that I got with Pokemon was, was my best gift, but like I so enjoy these so much more giving to my boys. We have to be connected to the idea that the gift of Jesus is invaluable. As people that give gifts, we have to start connecting to, this is not for us to live our nice lives. This is for us to be an expression so that people find the ultimate gift. Good news of great joy for all people. I feel like we're holding people back from the most precious news possible because of our niceness. Because we don't want to release a sound. Because we're not stepping to the role of prophetic messengers. It's too easy to not let people hear this good news for all people. Can we just say that together? Good news of great joy. For all people. For all people. This, this is for everyone. Does not your heart get excited when you picture all of the people that you know? I know a lot of people. I get really excited that all of those people, the news is not just for me. The news is not just for us to celebrate, oh, holy night, when Charlene's hitting those notes. And I love it when she's hitting those notes. 
This is so important to connect to. Good news of great joy for all people. This is not like nice news for people that might want to kind of join a a place where it's like good community. My gosh, we have good news of great joy where you get redefined. It doesn't matter how messy your life is. It doesn't matter how, how lowly your profession is. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. But this news is for all people. I get so excited and stirred in my spirit when we we start to say, this is not just for you and this is not just for you. This is for everyone. Good news of great joy for all people. Does this stable look different to you this morning? I hope it does. Does those shepherds look different to you? Prophetic messenger carriers simply from the arrival of Jesus. He redefines everything. I want to pray. I invite the... The band, they're already here. Love them. But let's pray. Can I just invite you to stand? Can we just accept this call over this Christmas season? Just as we pray, let's position ourselves not to receive. And you know, honestly, there's so many things that can rob this from us. Like for me, Christmas time, I'm like, oh, I finally get a break. Can I tell you that good news of great joy doesn't take a break? Don't let your seasons be redefined by what culture says it's supposed to be, but position yourselves to see the kingdom released in your lives. Christmas time is a time when you spend so much time with your families. Can I encourage you in this Christmas season to make that intentional? Pray before they come. Pray while they're there. Sow seeds. Don't be weird about it. Just love on them. Great, good news of great joy for all people. This is, not a, this is not a season for taking a break. You might take a break from church in some of the January services, but can I engage you to keep pressing into his kingdom? This, this, is, this is the mission and the mandate of where we go as the church. Our church is, is, is stepping into this new role of saying, no, we're being people that are sent Saturday through whatever it is, Monday through Saturday. Can't get my days right. Monday through Saturday. Can you take on a new identity? We're not just having a nice time here, but we're on mission to see people find this good news of great joy. Be carriers of that great joy. Allow him to redefine who you are. Do not be content with staying in what culture says is success. Let's pray. Father, we we just want to receive what you have for us this morning. Lord, I pray that your spirit would fall in this place. Lord, I pray that we would even begin to get a sense of excitement at what happens when you arrive. Lord, I I pray that blind eyes would be opened right now to see how you've already changed their stables. I think there's people in here that keep seeing the dirt on the ground and the animals in the barn, and they're not seeing how your presence has completely redefined what their life looks like. Lord, I speak blind eyes to be opened right now in the name of Jesus. Lord, I see, I, I see people here who, who see themselves still as shepherds, still as this, still as defined by this or defined by that. But Father, they don't see the holy calling on their life to be a prophetic messenger of your goodness. Lord, I pray for blind eyes to be opened right now. I pray for deaf ears to be opened right now so they would hear and see what it is that you've already done in their lives. Lord, would you open our eyes and would you then stir in our hearts a passion so strong that we can't let it out to get your good news of great joy out to all people. Lord, that a savior has been born, somebody that can save us. Lord, we, we, we lay 
our lives down to you right now. We surrender in this Christmas season that it's not the busy season. It's not the season of trying to get gifts. It's not the season of trying to please relatives, but it's a season of seeing your kingdom released. In the mighty name of Jesus, Father, we embrace this call as a church. Can you say amen with me, church? Amen. Amen. Amen.